0: Welcome to hashtag no filter healthcare podcast. This is where reality meets medicine raw unscripted and uncensored co-hosted by healthcare aficionados Taylor Dunn and Tamara Donda ready to deep dive into the heart of healthcare. No filter just facts. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to hashtag no filter healthcare. I'm your co host Taylor Dunn and I am again solo today today. Um, Tamara couldn't make it, but she's here in spirit, and I'm lucky to be joined with two great guests. We've got Brittany McDowell, who is the recruitment consultant, and Ben Shaver, the president and communications consultant with Venture Practices. Great to have you guys here today.
2: Thanks for having us, Taylor. (laughs)
1: Thanks for having us. So I'm not alone. I'm not here just one-on-one. I'm really glad I have two people to join me, how it usually goes. So um, I wanted to start off this podcast episode because I love October. I love spooky season. We finally entered it. um, And that's when this podcast episode is going to launch. So I figured we could kick off this episode by just talking a little bit outside of the norm. And I want to hear what your guys' um, favorite fall tradition is, but I'll kick it off. So. Mine is pretty standard. I feel like a lot of people have this same reaction, which is I love scary movies and I love cozy clothing and just kind of getting into that fall weather where I can just like wear warmer clothes. So what about you guys?
2: (laughs) You can go ahead, Brittany.
0: Um, So I have two things I look forward to. I love the family fall photos and the coordinated outfits. Um, and then uh, we always go apple picking. So that's
2: one Oh, my that's fun. Ooh, you're gonna make me look bad. You went family there, Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I was gonna say football and pumpkin coffee, but now it's uh, maybe helping my daughter pick out <laughs> no. a Halloween costume. <laughs> Uh,
0: no, I'm
1: all, glad you went first. all green right. <laughs> Yeah, no, that I mean, I don't have kids yet, but I can't wait for that moment to be like to hear what kind of weird thing they want to be for Halloween. Like, I have a nephew, and he wants to be an avatar, and I'm like, how do you dress up like an avatar?
2: <laughs> it's gonna require some blue body paint. I sure, know. Like, right?
1: good luck with that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the beautiful thing though is they change their mind on the costume, yeah. like after you've already bought one. Yeah. So then you're having to explain why you're wearing this one.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for you know joining me on that little quest of figuring out what you guys like for fall because um, I kind of threw that at you last minute. So, but let's get in. Let's get down to business. I, you know, we wanted to talk to you guys about what you do and um, a little bit about your background. So Ben, I'll have you start. Just tell us about you and how you started Venture Practices.
2: Yeah, so Venture Practices is kind of a <clears throat> almost a third inf- iteration of a advertising agency, but it's not really an advertising agency anymore. Uh, I actually come from consumer behavior; I studied consumer behavior when I was in college. That led to a job in advertising sales, and then started an advertising agency back in two thousand five. That kind of morphed into really just working with dentists. It was a time when uh, you know Yellow Pages were on their way out. That's how old I am. And Google was coming out. And it's like, what do we do with Google? And then social media is coming out. So I really enjoy working with businesses that have more of a hyper local presence. That excited me. I love that on the marketing side, because you're really able to affect their business that way. Uh, as time went on, I mean, I still love marketing. I'm, I'm more on the branding side now. Like I said, communications is, is my baby and, and behavior as well. But Really what we saw with marketing as it got kind of more commoditized, meaning everybody that went to a conference on Friday and Saturday, they're like, pick a niche, do marketing. And they're like, we'll talk to Dennis and do marketing. Um, I was like, what, what actually is effective and why can we run the same campaign for somebody and then run the same campaign for somebody else with completely different results? And there's a lot of factors that go into that, but a lot of it had to do with the team. And so for us, we look at everything from leadership to the team, all the way up to the consumer, and then the community as well. Because ultimately what you want as a leader of of multiple practices, solo practice, big groups, is you want the community supporting your practice and be that first person that's talked about on a neighborhood app or a mommy's group on Facebook. You don't have to spend as much money on um, marketing. But that all led to now you got to build a better team that kind of got us into recruiting. Uh, and, you know, we're also very heavy on retention, keeping employees and, and keeping patients. So that's the long version. Sorry about
1: that. No, I think it's great. You, you touch on a lot of things that people don't talk about or they, you know, are like, this is something that we can, we have figured out what works and we're going to recycle it through our clients, but you're, you're kind of opening the lens to everything else that needs to be considered through that process. So,
2: yeah.
1: but Brittany, um, let's hear about your background. How did you join venture practices?
0: Sure. So, um, I have about a, about 10 years now in the dental industry. I've worked for a variety of different DSOs and, um, Ben and I connected for a project I was working on. Uh, I was referred to him to support me with branding and we just, hit it off. Like everything that he said, I completely just was in agreement with and um, he offered me a position and it's, I've been here ever since. Wonderful.
1: Well, I'm really happy to have both of you and I'm sure you'll have different perspectives and ways to answer some of these questions, but um, let's get right into it. You know, I, one of the first things I did after we had just, you know, briefly met um, virtually, I'm sure at one point we'll meet, in person at an event, but um, when we met virtually at you guys were talking about a lot of different things you do and one of the biggest things you focus on is alignment within the practice. So I was wondering if you could talk about the, the importance of alignment and how it contributes to like a smoother operations and enhanced patient satisfaction.
2: Uh, sure. Yeah. It's alignment for us, especially inside of the practice. You know, we don't consult on process and systems. We're not there necessarily trying to find the efficiencies or procure, you know, different types of things. We're, we look at it as you are going to grow and make more money off of your people than anything else. But there's this alignment between leadership and leadership building this vision and that vision, the team kind of taking that and building a culture. And then that culture turns into that brand that people really enjoy being around. You know, when patients come in, they're not really your patient when they come in because unless you can retain them, that was just a transaction. And so we're trying to help people get to that relationship side. But what we do on down the line before you even get to marketing is we're like, who is your ideal patient for this practice? And for the group practices, if they've aligned themselves, Well, they know, okay, in this particular community, this is the type of activities we should deploy. This is how we should support our staff uh, and really just work with them on that vision, that culture, and that brand. And it really does help them save a lot of money and grow a lot faster. When we got into recruitment, what we found out very quickly was how expensive it was to recruit someone. Right. And I was like, we need to solve that problem. So we, we definitely have different solutions for recruiting than most do. Uh, and, but it all works together, and if you don't have good leadership, you're probably not going to be able to recruit good people.
1: Well, that actually rolls into my my next question pretty nicely here. So, and it's like you read my mind there. Um, okay, so when you were talking about leadership, and and this is my new no filter perspective here. So, um, what is your reaction to when you have a client that comes in and they're a leader and they say, "Okay, I have a ton of turnover. I don't know what the problem is." And after meeting and evaluating, you know, everything that they're doing, you recognize that it's them that needs to maybe potentially change their leadership style. How do you approach that? I mean, that's gotta be a difficult conversation to have them realize like the problem might be something you're doing.
2: <laughs> you need a mirror yeah. kind sir. Yeah. <laughs> Take a look at, uh, no, you're absolutely right. It, it is very hard to have that conversation. And you're, I have taken a lot of different approaches over the years, but it's, Leadership is a mindset. So, kind of how I view it is I will do that initial conversation and I will talk to them. And I, you know, Brittany and I talk about this all the time. I talk about it with clients. I feel like there's two mindsets for business owners, probably people in general. The first is someone that always thinks they're right, but only seeks out people and information to prove themselves right. The second mindset is I always think I'm right but I'm actively pursuing information to prove myself wrong. So if I'm having a conversation with someone, I can kind of tell which side of that they're on. And, you know, we're, we're looking to help the people that are in that 2.0, 3.0 level of, of business ownership, right? They're no longer thinking clinically as much. They're not thinking about, I have the power. They're like, I really need to learn and be a great leader so I can grow this faster. Uh, so one of the tools we use is, I mean, a lot of people know what the disc is, but we have what's called disc and values. So it's the disc combined with these values to know, you know, not only how somebody's going to show up in the job, but why they do that. But I'll just ask somebody, do you mind, you know, spending 20, 30 minutes taking this assessment and spending an hour with me going through it so that you can learn more about yourself? And the people that are you know, either excited or at least willing to do that, I know that's going to be somebody that's going to grow and could be a good leader. The other, I mean, from an unfiltered response, it's going to take them a while to get there and they may never get there. Yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll always be a manager. So,
1: so um, do you also have your, uh, when you're doing the recruitment process, do you have um, them complete that assessment as well?
2: Yeah, a lot of what we do kind of revolves around the associate right? If, if we're recruiting, we want to make sure we're finding the right person. And those assessments are really great at letting us know, and as well as you know the clients we work with, this might be an associate that's maybe a little bit more passive. They're going to be loyal. They're, they're you know, maybe not all about the money. They're not about the power. Uh, or you may find somebody that's high political, high economic, that they are about power, they are about money, and they're a little more driving. They're going to be higher producers but they're also probably gonna wanna leave or have partnerships somewhere down the road. So kind of knowing those things helps you find the right person and fit for the practice, right? If it's a slower practice, that's not that fast, get that person that fits that better. If it moves, you know, lightning quick, you better make sure you have somebody that can keep up. Yeah. And we're able to figure that out through those assessments.
1: No, I was, that's, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, it's kind of a playbook for you guys to see exactly where they can match up Um, based on their needs um, within the location and what kind of personality traits and things like that they have. So, but um, Brittany, what do you see to be like one of the biggest challenges through the recruitment process?
0: I think one of the biggest challenges that, you know, recruiters can stumble across is um, having the the time to uh, passively recruit associates. So they're really focusing on Um, getting those ads up on Indeed and other job boards um, and and just interviewing those that are coming in. So more of that low hanging fruit, uh, just having the time to be able to passively recruit and find candidates that maybe uh, would consider the right opportunity if it was presented to them.
1: Yeah. And I feel like you guys have a different approach because you're looking holistically how to make an organization better versus just let's fill a spot and and get someone in there you're looking at this and you're evaluating whoever you're recruiting especially through things like the assessment um so i i think it's really great um and definitely worth someone spending time to work with you guys to be able to get the right people in because then you have them consistently there you don't have to worry about going through this process again anytime soon
2: (laughs) Uh, i mean yeah that goes back to what we're saying with retention you know it kind of speaks against our job because it's like, Hey, you know, there's many times we can recruit, let's do it. But for us, it's like, man, you're going to save a lot of money. We had a client. That's like, if we could get fully staffed on our clinical side, we would make another $9 million a year. And, and the thing is, it's like, even as we're getting them and recruiting and putting people in, they're losing them out the other side. So we've been really good about let's build the assets. Let's build the brand. You know, like Brittany was saying, when we passively recruit, you need to have a good website, right? The same reason that a patient's going to come to you, that recruit's going to look at that. They're going to look at your social media. Um, everybody ignores reviews on Indeed and Glassdoor and some of these sites, and it's like, I bet you, here you have put a position out there to pay somebody two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and right next to it is the fact that you're two point five with seventy six bad reviews. Right. And you don't, most don't know that, right? So it's, we really help them build their image out a little bit more so that, that people find them to be more reputable.
1: Yeah. Could you guys actually touch a little bit on that? Like what are some key strategies for successful brand recognition and things to help them be more successful?
2: Yeah, I can speak on some of that. I know Brittany, you use social media quite a bit and that can be helpful. I think if I would do a high quality video to just kind of show what it's like to work at your practices and interview the people that, you know, so they can see themselves at that practice. We also do practice profiles where it's talking about the area. So maybe this is somebody from out of state. That's not familiar with, you know, what Dayton, Ohio has to offer. And they're like, I'm not sure I'd ever go to Dayton, Ohio. Well, actually they've got some cooler things there. Um, And you know, some of these areas you can make a lot more money and still have a great quality of life. So. It's really just getting those details, getting them out there and being unique and distinct. So that's helpful.
0: Just like Ben mentioned with social media, um, candidates are looking for the red flags. So they're looking, they're checking out the social media. They're checking out your LinkedIn. They're looking at your website. They're trying to determine what you value, what the culture looks like. And like Ben said, just uh, they need to be able to envision themselves working there and working with the team there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I've seen, um, you know, just talking to people in the industry that they also want to know that the the company they're going to be working for is up to date with their equipment, their technology. They are, you know, looking to expand. They have growth in mind. I think that's another big piece of it. So, you know, I'd love to hear your guys' perspective on what you see in regards to that.
2: Yeah, we, we definitely see it, especially on the technology side. And sometimes there's this kind of battlefield between the DSO and the groups, and then you've got the private practice over here, and especially the new students, the people coming out. They want that mentorship they might get from private practice, but the technology is not where they need it to be because they're used to something else. So it's uh, I think it's very important. You don't have to go out and spend a ton of money to be update, but you got to do the I mean, there's so many people we talk to now that buy practices and they don't even have digital um, files yet. And it's like, i had mean, a of God the other day. He's like, I've changed all this over. I have no idea what to do with this shelf space. <laughs> now Now my office looks terrible because it's just empty
1: bookcases. <laughs> <laughs> like, just tell him you can put empty books in there.
2: <laughs> right. Put some Shakespeare up there, buddy. Yeah, there you it's go. Stuff, yeah. <laughs>
1: No, it's it's crazy. I mean, that's that's the truth of it though, is like some of these healthcare industries, not just dental, but like multiple healthcare industries are behind the times when it comes to becoming digital. I you know, I don't know why it's it's hard to grasp, but I guess it's just something that people are afraid things are gonna get lost in translation or they've got a system that they're used to, but I do know that, like, as, you know, younger generations come in, they want that digital aspect where they know everything is evolving and they've got new technologies they can play with. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, absolutely. We see that every day.
0: And the technology also makes them feel that you're investing in them and the things that they value. So if they want to um, become more skilled in implants, knowing that, you know, that's on the table is also important attracting talent.
1: Oh, yeah, you're completely right about that, too. So I guess I, I want to end this on just knowing some success stories for you guys. Like just tell us a little bit about what makes um, your company a little bit different and how it's kind of changed a practices trajectory based on what you guys have implemented.
2: Yeah. I, I can say that a lot of people get to us from a marketing perspective just because of how I was networked before and they start asking questions and I'll I'll kind of stop and be like, let me kind of figure out what the back of this looks like because you just you might be marketing to a leaky bucket. Okay. And that's the bad part, right? If a patient comes in, has a bad experience, they're not going to come back. Right. And you just miss that one opportunity. But then they also might not talk great about the practice. The reverse side of that is you might market and get a bad person in because you've had to do some discounts or whatever that might be, and guess what they're going to do if you did a good job? Refer you to their friends that will be equally as bad of patience. So I, I always tell people, I'm like, make sure you've got your house in order before you go spend money on marketing, or you may actually be making things worse. And to me, that all starts with leadership, starts with the team, building that culture, getting that brand where it needs to be.
0: Just, um, just going back more for the branding and messaging, um, just hygienists are hard to come by. Um, we had a client that we uh, interviewed some of their hygienists and just wanted to see what they would look for if they were seeking a position and gain some insight on that. And just getting that perspective and rewriting the job ad, uh, they had no applicants for several months and just making a few changes to that based off of the conversations of with their hygienists. Uh, they had... Applicants within 24 hours. Wow. So just messaging overall, yeah, can really just make a difference in you standing out. Definitely. Wow.
2: Yeah. And I'll, I'll add in we do, it's easier as a third party to do these exit interviews. So we were like, you know, instead of doing exit interviews, maybe we should just actually interview the mm-hmm. associates that are there before they exit so that we're kind of the stopgap. But even in some of the practices we've suggested, why don't you actually have an associate advocate? Somebody that if they're having an issue and they're ready to quit at four o'clock on a Tuesday, they can call that person, not worry about any you know, retribution to it and have an honest conversation. I don't think a lot of organizations have that. They don't have the ability to collect feedback in a way that's effective. Right. So we've yeah. we've really had some success with clients getting that on track. And and hopefully that's kept a lot of people there. I know we've done that at least twice where we've been able to keep somebody internal, which again, goes against what we do. We'd rather make money on recruiting, but st- still our value is is helping you build the organization through people. Yeah. Retention has to be the number one thing.
1: I agree. Um, do you guys keep that anonymous for, you know, whoever that person is that they get to go to or
2: we do, unless they're like, hey, you can tell them everything I said, and then we tell them everything <laughs> I said. And you'd be amazed at how many people are like, yep, just, just tell them. I <laughs> don't, they need to know I have. The, uh, and you know, a lot of people are happy, and I think we all think everybody's out there unhappy with their jobs. Right. That's not the case. Most people are happy. Right. But um, yeah, but I, that's the other thing. I don't think people really want to lie to their employer, but they do. Uh, we had the other day one where they have a great relationship and the guy went to a competing practice uh, and didn't even give him the opportunity to match the offer or, or do. And they were like, what happened there? That was wild. a blow. So, but they hadn't talked to him in a couple months. So maybe that's it. People want to feel significant.
1: Yeah, that's true. Also though, like, I think everyone ha- kind of knows this, like the grass is always greener, but is it really, <laughs> is it really greener? Like, you know, Um, that's just something I've also just realized a lot of people think like things are going to be different at other places, but sometimes it's just, it's just a different place, same stuff, (laughs) same stuff's going on.
2: (laughs) Yep. You're absolutely right. And then the other side of that is people get stuck in the status quo. They would like to grow. They would like something different for themselves, but they don't necessarily do that. And we, we try to work with leaders and tell them make separate agreements with different employees. For two reasons: one, they know they're being listened to, and all of a sudden they don't really care about the money as much as they care about you. Just let them off work at three o'clock every day, right. so that they could go get their kids off the bus. But the second part of that is the other employees know they have their own agreements, so they no longer care if Donna's leaving at three o'clock to go get her kids because they they're making more money, you know. So there's just a lot of techniques out there, strategies to really make a pretty happy and collective team.
1: And they're always evolving. I feel like even Absolutely. like me as a leader like I'm constantly learning something new to implement cuz I did not realize how effective that would be and you know it's just it, there's a lot that goes into being a leader I will have to say it's <laughs> it's and it's funny cuz you know I have friends that you know will talk to me they're they're like oh I could do my managers job in my sleep and i'm like could you like do you know what goes into being a manager like you don't have any experience and you think you can do what they do like there's a lot that goes into being at that level of leadership it's just there's you know a lot of things to think about so but i love that you guys are taking every aspect of the business into account when you're talking to these organizations you're not just like Hey, yeah, we're going to go out there. We're going to recruit people and throw them at you, and you're going to leave us, and we're going to repeat the process. You are very thoughtful about what you do. So, um, but it was a, pre- a pleasure thinking. Uh, can't talk. Let's start that over. It was a pleasure speaking with both of you today. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about venture practices, you can visit them at venturepractices.com. And also, don't forget to su- subscribe to our podcast or comment below. Thank you
2: guys. Thanks, Taylor. Appreciate it.